The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Hello, Sequel Questers. This is a Sequel Quest Rewind. Diving back into the archive to July of 2016 for this Sequel Quest Classic, Episode 22, A Sequel to Ghostbusters. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic journey to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way. Sequel Quest is go for launch, so let the adventure begin now. Welcome to this, the inaugural Sequel Quest video show. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any of the podcast listening apps, know that this is a live version on our YouTube page. That would explain why the format's a little different. Now that that's out of the way, let's go around the horn and see who we have today. Hey, it's Adam. And it's Jeff. And I am your host du jour, Jeremy. There he that is. means host of the day. <laughs> yes, yes. That sounds good. I think that I'll have to. The oh, host wow. du jour, I do speak French. Well, today we are missing our fourth chair this evening, but Justin will be back with us soon. Uh, we Justin. are... <laughs> we are off to such a great start. Absolutely. We are... <laughs> we are... Well, let's just start it over. We are Sequel Quest, and today's show is dipping back into our 80s classic genre due to the controversial new movie reboot coming out soon, Ghostbusters 2016. Adam, now this is one of your favorite movie franchises, considering oh. you've dressed your vehicle out as the Ecto Prius. That is correct. So uh, now this is something that I just, every car I've ever had has had a theme. And when I got this Prius, I just looked at it and something spoke to me. It said, this could be a Ghostbusters car. So let me just show you what we're talking about here. All right. So this is uh, the, the back end here. We got our, our Ghostbusters uh, series of bumper stickers. We got the license plate holder. We got the uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man hanging from the rear view. And then if you look at the upper corner there, we actually have, this is something kind of special actually, right here, uh, right behind me. This is a decal from 1986, a real Ghostbusters decal. So it's vintage right there. Um, now with the other uh, things that I've added to this is uh, if we are powered by Ecto Cooler, recently returned to the market. I'm still waiting to get a, a taste of that sweet supernatural nectar. I have not been able to find it out in my neck of the woods. If you've got it, send it to Sequel Quest Studios. We'll thank you for it. Um, but I've also outfitted, it is officially the Ecto Prius C. So as I ride down the street, people know what's going on. And uh, I give them one of these. Huh? Huh? 
And uh, but either way, you know, we have, we have a good time on the road. But that is, uh, like I say, definitely one of my favorite franchises. As you see, got T-shirts galore. I just uh, ever since I was a kid, I couldn't get enough. Uh, I'll, I'll get back into a little bit of that, but I'm just curious, uh, you know, Jeff, where do where do you fall in your Ghostbusters fandom? Well, first off, I want, do want to go back to the controversial new movie. Is this really a controversial? I mean, with movies that qualify as controversial, come you on. You have now. a bit online, Jeff, uh, is what we're learning. <laughs> this is well, uh, people cannot stand the fact that this is an all-female cast, and just the comments that are being made are ridiculous. The cast themselves have already had to make formal responses it basically said these are sad people that hate themselves and hate life and we feel sorry for them that they have to spew their hate online that's basically what the response has been so you haven't heard any of that yet Jeff? no i mean i have i don't know that that would quantify as controversial i mean there's always people that don't like you know things sure yeah change know. is difficult okay I understand it's a different spin, but yeah. um, so anyway, so for me, for Ghostbusters, um, I'm well. For me, like very opposite to Adam, I suppose. I did not like this movie when I was a kid. Like it was very much like Beetlejuice was, where I saw it probably when I was too young and it scared me, and so I never watched it again. Um, and if I think even if you go back and you watch like you watch that first movie, there's a lot of pretty intense moments in that first one where it's like like Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver being transformed into dogs and and I mean like the even the scene where Rick Moranis gets torn to shreds by a dog that no one else can see like that's pretty intense and that scared the heck out of me as a kid but then I started watching the cartoon show and I did enjoy the cartoon show although it's still something about cartoons where someone gets brainwashed freaks me out there was an episode of G.I. Joe where Shipwreck got brainwashed did the same thing to me so I still specifically remember a Ghostbusters cartoon episode where there was a haunted house and Ray, it's always Ray gets brainwashed um, so anyway I had a very back and forth sort of relationship with Ghostbusters but then as an adult I've come to appreciate the comedy and the different levels the fact that they got these four different kinds of comedians to kind of interact and yeah Bill Murray kind of steals the show but at the same time each one of the characters that are created Winston is always my favorite Ernie Hudson can just sit on a stool and stare at the screen and I would love every second of it so uh, yeah, I really well, loved Jeff, it. Jeff, going back to your comment about the possession, I had a quick yeah. comment. The only criticism that I've heard live of Ghostbusters in general, like whether it's the reboot or otherwise, is uh, just recently I came across somebody and, and they saw my car and, and I was like, oh, they're like, oh, you're excited for the new movie. I'm like, yeah, I'm just excited in general about Ghostbusters. This is before the new movie. But he said, you know what, I'm not. And I was like, why not? He's like, I have a real problem with possession freaks me out. So it's like, you're not the only one, apparently, Jeff. Like, there's other people out there that don't like the idea of being possessed, and if Ghostbusters portrays that, they can't get behind it. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, and it's funny, too, because there is something about Ghostbusters where in both of the movies, something like that happens, where someone that is an ally is turned supernaturally into a villain, and they don't really do a whole lot with it, but yeah. I well, mean, it in Ghostbusters 2... My favorite character, Dr. Janos Poha, he has some pretty great moments as a possessed guy. I mean, he, he definitely gets out there and uh, he does the bidding of Vigo the Carpathian. So, I don't know, I, I, I feel like he, he did a lot more. But you're right, like with Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis in the first one, they weren't 
they didn't do so much as just try to find each other, right? That was kind of their well, main Well, and even, I mean, role. Ray gets possessed in the first one, too, right? At the end when, you know, she takes possession of him and there was... Well, yeah, that's Ghostbusters 2 also. Ray gets... Right, exactly. Gets you know, like I said, it's always Ray. Something about Ray. <laughs> it's a simple one, I guess. Now, Jeremy, I'm curious because you're a little bit younger than us, so Ghostbusters was definitely, like Jeff said, Saturday morning cartoons. It was being promoted. Oh, speaking of which, I just happen to have a copy of Ghostbusters. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, on VHS from 1986, so you can enjoy your favorite episodes like Cry Uncle. It's fantastic. And how many minutes we got here? We got... uh, uh, 25 minutes of exciting supernatural action. But since you did not get to see something like this, Jeremy, how did you experience Ghostbusters? For the first you know, I, I remember watching some of the cartoons uh, wow. just randomly because they had two different cartoons that came up. There was the, the initial set that ran for like four or five years, mm-hmm. and then they got played over and over, uh, syndicated, whatever. yeah. yeah. And then they did something in the late 90s. And this is the one I remember a little more Uh was Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah. (laughs) The all-inclusive Ghostbusters. Egon gets a ponytail. You know, we got a guy in a wheelchair. We got a girl. It's it's great. Well, keep that in mind because that does kind of play into my pitch. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It's a little teaser. In a way, then, was Extreme Ghostbusters. Kind of like I, I remember kind of watching. I don't remember any specifics, but luckily I've found Hulu has Extreme Ghostbusters on it, oh. and the real Ghostbusters is available on the Crackle app. Hmm. It's also available on YouTube. Like all the episodes of Real Ghostbusters. Oh wow! Find them. It's pretty amazing. Like I guess because people taped them off TV, so they could just throw them up there. That's where I've been catching up. It's just huh. finding real Ghostbusters there, in addition to my VHS collection. Although sometimes I like to pop in the old NES. That's right. Of it's course. Of course. Ghostbusters. It's a great game. Actually, this is terrible, and it does not play very well at all. Wow. So I do not recommend my Ghostbusters uh, NES cartridge. Now, can I throw this at you guys real quick? The original Ghostbusters, I don't know. There's a little bit of trivia here that I think is kind of interesting before we get into uh, the main meat of the show. Do you guys know the original title of Ghostbusters when Dan Aykroyd put together his original uh, script that he was? Oh, he was I've I've heard this. I just don't remember what it is. What is it, Adam? It's Jeff. Do you Ghost, know it? Ghost, not busting, but anybody? Smashers. Ghost Smashers was the idea. Ghost Smashers. And it was going to be basically a Blues Brothers reunion. You were going to get Belushi and Aykroyd oh, together course. again traveling across dimensions in space in the future and they and they didn't have like the proton packs and stuff they had these like magic wand things that kind of stuck out of their fingers they just held and they would blast ghosts you know like it was it was a really strange concept altogether and it wasn't like anything they invented ghost busting it was just a natural thing in the future and so um and originally like like i say belushi was supposed to be in it you know he passed away and then they Basically, they like the idea of the movie, but Ivan Reitman and Harold, the director, and Harold Ramis, who played Egon, kind of got together with Dan Aykroyd, and they helped him kind of make it a more realistic film, or just you know a pared-down film, to where there was that. It was, yeah, I think Ivan Reitman said it was going to be three hundred million dollars in 1980, you know, four dollars to make. So they they brought it down considerably. 
Um, but I was going to ask also, there's some alternative casting for this film, which would have just changed it completely. Do you guys know who the original choice was to play Winston before Ernie Hudson? No, I do not. Nobody? Eddie Murphy was was in talks because you know the Saturday Night Live you know history they had Bill Murray they had Dan Aykroyd and they thought let's get Eddie Mur- Eddie Murphy in there he's huge but he declined but can you imagine that movie with Eddie Murphy showing up halfway through like he would have just taken over it would have yeah he would have taken over yeah. and it's also the thing that I've always heard is that Bill Murray from from what I heard that like Bill Murray's character I don't know that it was supposed to go in the direction that he saw like that it did because from mm-hmm. what I heard he improved almost all of his lines like That's it true. was just kind of like go Bill and he did and ended up stealing the show but like you Absolutely. said I mean it was really the rest of them that came up with I mean not not Ernie Hudson but it was really Dan Aykroyd Ivan Reitman and and, and uh, Harold Ramis that came up with it and then Bill Murray yeah became ended up becoming the star really. Yeah, I mean, he's the one everybody remembers, absolutely. And, like, even um, what, what's interesting is he was, even before he agreed to do it, they went to Michael Keaton. So Michael Keaton was approached to play Venkman at one point, and he turned it down, which is, again, just a little interesting bit of casting. And last one I'll throw at you, do you know who they originally wanted to play Gozer at the end? So, you know, we got the ballerina with the, you know, with the, the crew oh, cutter, it, the flat top, Pat right? Benatar? Or does it just look like Pat Benatar? It just looks like Pat Benatar. It was actually a male actor uh, of a similar build. It was Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. They wanted him to play Gozer. But almost because Gozer was going to take the form of Evo Shandor, who was the one who created Dana's building and the one that, you know, allowed the gateway and everything to be created up there. So, like, he was going to take that form originally, then they changed it when he declined again, you know. So, again, all these things, if you just imagine the film like the way it was originally conceived, would not have been this beloved comedy classic that we look at now. So I just throw that out there as an alternate uh, idea in your head. Um, But, uh, so I have one more more bit of something special. Now, Ghostbusters 2, uh, do you you guys enjoy that film as much as the original? Is that anything that's... For me, I don't. I, I did not like the second Ghostbusters. I was kind of disappointed because I felt like they went a little darker and they didn't do anything really like new and fresh with it. It didn't seem like it got as good of reviews, but I know, like Adam, like you said, it's your favorite sequel of all time, right? It is. It is. I, I think it just it took what we loved and then kind of amplified it and added a little, a few new characters to a similar formula. But I just like, I, I just, I love it so much. But Jeff, if you did enjoy it, maybe you just need to look through the image of a viewfinder, and it might give you a whole new take <laughs> on the film. This Ghostbusters two wow. gift set coming your way. All right. So <laughs> it's actually coming my way, or was that just a metaphor? Well, uh, I love you, and if you want it, I'll send <laughs> it your way. However, in the meantime, I'm just going to take a sip of my hot thermal beverage mug and enjoy the free balloons for the kids. Ah! All right. Mm. All right. I think we're ready to get into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Video yeah. Up as much as Fake we can. Drink. <laughs> All right. Time to transition to our the meat of our show, the pitches. Now, each host will have 90 seconds approximately to pitch their version of a current, and by that I mean created today, sequel to the Ghostbusters franchise. After the pitches, we'll vote on the best one, and the winner will give their full plot layout 
while the rest of us fill in and add to it, making a coherent and fully fleshed out story ready for filming. Let's start off tonight with Jeff, and then we'll follow that up by myself, and then Adam will pitch last. Jeff, let's see what you got. Okay, so uh, I would travel back and make this movie in the year 2000, because I can't make this movie without Harold Ramis, who sadly passed away in 2014. Uh, so in the year 2000, it's been 10, uh, technically it would be 11 years because it was 1989 that Ghostbusters 2 came out. But unlike Ghostbusters 2 where they, we, you know, we caught them, I think it was five years later, and they were all kind of like doing weirdo things and doing, you know, it was kind of a sad like post their, their big rise. So anyway, in this one, they're actually all very successful. Egon is a professor at some very prestigious university. Uh, Peter has become a dad with Sigourney Weaver, and they're doing the whole marriage dad thing. Um, Ray's the only one, although in Ray's eyes, I guess he would be a success. He's a crackpot that lives in some sort of a cabin out in the woods who's always kind of investigating the paranormal ghost stories and stuff like that. And Winston, of course, is still a Ghostbuster. Uh, but 10 years later now, the Ghostbusters still exist, but they're uh, a new breed. So you've got Winston and then three new people. Um, and he's kind of like shepherding them into raising up a new breed of Ghostbuster. Um, but then Ray pops up because Ray is convinced that the year 2000 is that Y2K is actually the work of some sort of a demon creature ghost thing. And uh, so he ends up kind of doing all of these things and that um, ironically the police end up calling the Ghostbusters to stop him. So it ends up being kind of this ray against the Ghostbusters, and they're the ones that have to restrain him and everything like that, which ends up then Ray kind of leading them into figuring out that, no, it is actually a giant ghost that's in charge of Y2K, and it's going to bring her up out the end of all the world. So they have to call on Peter, and they have to call on Egon. So now you've got these two generations of the Ghostbusters that have to work together in order to save the world from the demon Y2K. Wow, okay. I was I wasn't sure if going back to 2000 would work, but tying it to Y2K that's that's some fun right there. <laughs> Gotta have that world-ending thing, right? So there it of is. Of course, and it builds day. on Independence Day, which you know, no, not at all. <laughs> Coming to a theater near you. All right, okay. My pitch: We are going to bring the extreme Ghostbusters cartoon to life on the big screen, um, including the three kids or four kids, if we want to add to it. Killer Watt is going to be our a big bad guy using smaller ghosts who possess the bodies of other people to pretend to be a rival ghostbusting crew trying to discredit our ghostbusters all the while pulling off his evil master plan of releasing the stay puff marshmallow man and the rest of the ghost from the containment unit in order to destroy the city old and new join up to save the day and pass the torch roll credits okay there it is all right well oh and i have ghost egon oh okay so again gotta have harold ravis in there right okay all right here we go here's my pitch comes with episode art so uh <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So after the events of the second film, Ghostbusters, they're given a full pardon by the governor of New York, and he actually starts an official government agency called the GHST, which is the Governor's Hostile Spirits Task Force that's funded by taxpayer dollars. And uh, Egon and Ray become the heads of the department, with Winston as kind of the field leader training the, the next generation of Ghostbusters to take over. And they have a cop-style reality show that's called Busted, and it's the purpose is to kind of create PR and, and goodwill for the ghost busting in the community. But the real breakout star is Lewis Tully, who has gone from kind of the nebbish nerd to a full-on commando ghost hunter. So then uh, basically we catch up, and now it's 25 years later. All of this has been going on. Egon has passed away, uh, and they're, but they're dedicating a wing of the Museum of Natural, uh, Natural History. Uh, it's called the Spangler Wing, and it's being curated by Dr. Janos Poha. But they're doing all this in the wake of a, kind of a threat from the government that they're going to be shutting down the GHST department. But people are trying to make the best of it. Venkman and Dana come back from Montana, where they've been living a quiet life as wheat farmers and raising uh, Dana's son, Oscar. And uh, he comes to the big city with dreams of joining the Ghost Academy, but he hasn't told uh, his parents yet. Um, meanwhile, we also learned that Egon had a daughter who is basically his complete opposite, super outgoing and real witty and fun. Her name is Layla, but she's trying to distance herself from her father's legacy. Uh, so anyway, what happens is Oscar ends up going to the Ghost Academy. He kind of rises to the top of his class. He's the, the big star, uh, which kind of rubs this other guy the wrong way, whose name is Robert Storm Tully. And he's Lewis and Janine's son, who's been kind of the hotshot of the ghostbusting community as of late. And so now he's there, kind of got to get off to the wrong foot with Oscar. Oscar has a roommate named Danny Peck, who's Walter Peck's son, who, who guards the ghost containment unit. That's kind of his main job. So ultimately, we get the real threat. Ghostbusting actually gets shut down. The department is shut down. We find out Walter Peck was behind the whole thing. He gloats over it as they go to a smelting plant and melt all the ghostbusting equipment. And just shortly after that, then uh, a ghost revolutionary named Ebenezer, a.k.a. The Nez, starts taking human hostages and demanding freedom for all the ghost captives that are held in the containment unit, claiming that the governments of the living have no jurisdiction over the undead. So he's out there claiming he's going to kill all humans to raise his army if they don't release his people, you know, from their bondage. And so essentially what happens is Ray trains the younger Ghostbusters now uh, on how they can get in and help them save the day since there's no more equipment or Ghostbusting uh, department. And they go and get retrieve the uh, all the equipment from the Spangler wing, and they go out there, they save the day. Ultimately, in the end, there's, a, there's some mystery as to who let this ghost militia out of the containment unit in the first place? Who's the traitor in the ranks? And will this inexperienced and outnumbered team be able to pull together and save the world? All this and a heartfelt visit from the ghost of Egon Spengler in my full pitch for Ghostbusters 3. So there you go. Ah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't have the other thing pulled up while uh, either of ours were going. Uh, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. So, there's three of us. Now, have... hold on. Hold on. You oh. think on this. You can't vote for yourself. I know. But in the meantime, now, before we vote on a winner, we have a goofy break for a non-show sponsor. The Infinity Gauntlet Oven Mitts. 
Thank you to Loot Crate for these amazingly awesome keepsakes. They were recalled for unsafe use in the kitchen because apparently those people were not worthy to wear the gauntlet. <laughs> but guess what? They are an awesome addition to any Phoenix driver this summer. When your friends are not wanting to drive due to the heat and a hot steering wheel, like Thanos say, fine, I will do it myself. Oh, <laughs> great work, great work. Now, do you have two or do you just drive one-handed? <laughs> well, they only come with the one hand, so it'd be oh. kind of awkward putting a, a right hand on my left hand and trying to drive. <laughs> But I'm sure there's sub there's sub power there that you could pull from one of the infinity gems to cool off your other hand. Right. I mean, it was only 135 in my car the other day. Now, before we get into this voting, before we really make our final decisions, I just want to ask one thing here. Can you deny no. a kid who? No, absolutely no, no. You're not gonna pander. <laughs> Look at this. This man. He has loved Ghostbusters all his life. He is so committed to everything that they stand for. Oh, I'm just kidding. Everything I'm that just... they stand for. Who's the blonde guy? The blonde guy is my brother-in-law. No, I don't the, I'm, look the, really I'm, the, I'm the box, not standing oh. at your party. Let's take a look here. <laughs> is that Egon? <laughs> That's Egon. Don't Why you know? is he blonde? That was the whole thing in the cartoon. He had a weird blonde white pompadour. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, yes, I did own the proton pack at one point. Right. So. I think you actually lost a vote after showing that. I'm sorry. Oh, that's so rough. That's so rough. All right. So we have just... Adam, whose story do you want? Well, that's the thing. So I really love this Y2K angle. I think that's a really interesting thing. I think we could take it even in another direction. So I think I'm going to vote for Jeff's because that one jumped out at me. I was like, oh, Y2K, that's awesome. All right, Jeff, what is your vote? And I'm going to vote for Jeremy because I like this idea of the ghost, the bad guy, Ghostbusters. Okay. Wait, so we have one for Jeff, one for Jeremy. Yeah. So can't because I himself. can't vote for myself, I'm going to go Adam. <laughs> Perfect. Which puts us in a three-way tie. I would like to point out, though, there are a lot of similarities between our three pitches, where we it's both true. we all have the original Ghostbusters and the new team somehow coming together to fa face some sort of a bad guy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like even if we don't come to a consensus on the overall, that we can we can pick and choose and maybe mishmash a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, I I, that's what I'm thinking because Jeff, both you and I had Egon as a professor. I mean, in my expanded pitch, Egon would have been the official professor at the college, but he was going to have, like, Ray be the front. So it's professor, uh, it's Ray's class, but it's Egon that does all the heavy teaching, like Ghost right. Egon. Plus, and, and I think, and I don't know. I, know, like, oh. I was just going to say, Jeremy, I don't know about you, but I, I think uh, with Adam, I think you also had Winston as the one that was shepherding the, the new right. class, too, right? Yeah. So, so when you said that, I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. We're definitely on the same track there. Well, what if we start with that? What if we just go, like, we go person by person, we figure out what they each one of the original people are doing, and then mm -hmm. we come up with the, the big bad guy, and then we kind of, we see what we got. Okay. I, th I think that's fair. Are we okay with that? Will that take way too long? This this is definitely something new for the show. Let's yeah, we never had it. a tie before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
I thought about calling in somebody to be our tiebreaker, but I was like, no, nah, let's just let's go with it. I was going to say, we should have got Justin's vote ahead of time, knowing he wasn't going to be here. But, uh, so what, he just has to vote blind? I just yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> I would have made the call. I, I would have said, oh, you don't have to vote for me, but I just, I think you could trust this man. Exactly. No, anyway. Good call. So, oh, yeah, so let's, let's Okay, just so. Yeah. So well, I, I, it sounds like the easy one is Winston. Are we are we consensus on Winston being? Because Winston seems like I mean the, I always love that about Ernie Hudson's character is that he was just there, not a scientist. He was just there because he needed a job. So it seems so perfect that he would be the one that he still needs a job. Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 that. Let's do it. Yeah. Ghostbuster, <laughs> who's out there training. He's got his apprentices. I think that's perfect. And yeah, he would just kind of keep running the day-to-day stuff since, yeah, he's the blue-collar guy out of all of them, right? Right. So I think that's perfect. Um, now, the question is, do you guys feel that yeah. they should... Yeah, the real it? question is yeah. what uh, what time period are we setting this in because mm-hmm. we got to decide on Egon. On Egon. Yeah, I, because I feel we like... Don't, we don't have Harold Ramis, so... Yeah. Um, I, I, what like I was better just to accept that he's gone and everybody acknowledges it respectfully, but it's not something where, you know, they dwell on it for too long or we recreative CGI or something, you know, I just don't think that's necessary. Well, and my one idea too, like with Jeremy's was that when you were talking about having like the bad guy Ghostbusters that were possessed, possessed, uh, or whatever, so that they were, you know, working on the wrong side is yeah. that. You could even incorporate now the new team of Ghostbusters, the girls. And so if we do set it today, even if, you know, like you guys said about the whole some people being anti-whatever, is that we could at the very least still acknowledge their existence if we set it today. Um, But again, like, I loved Harold Ramis in it, so, like... Yeah, that's a tough one for me, but I, I guess yeah. I can see it either way. I mean, it's just the reality. They teased us for a long time. We were going to get a reunion of everybody, and basically you had Bill Murray holding out, and we never got it. So I think we just have to deal with it. Modern day, Harold Ramis is no longer around, but doesn't mean he can't get the rest of the group back in, and they just kind of give him that that nod how they do it. Um, uh, so how, I, I, uh, how I gave him a nod in his death was... Uh, a f- shortly before they more or less disbanded or just before they finished cleaning up the city, they had encountered the boogeyman and I was watching the cartoons and the boogeyman was a big thing for Egon. Like he was scared of it as a kid. The boogeyman recognized him as an adult and the way they dispatched of him in the cartoon wasn't all that uh, great, but I think what, we could do was it was Egon self-sacrificing himself to take out the boogeyman and finish that. And that's what allows him to, he goes out heroically and is still hanging around as a ghost or can make a a cameo appearance or something that small, maybe never pays off. That that was the part that I struggled with because I felt like that was somewhat disrespectful to Harold Ramis because I wanted to do the same thing. Like I was like, oh yeah, and Egon, they had one like last adventure, then, you know, Egon got lost in that. But it just seemed, I don't know, like I, I could see where it's a tribute and at the same time I feel like, oh, do you just 
mention it lightly and move on. But I could get behind that just to say, and if the boogeyman, maybe we make the boogeyman the big bad, so maybe there's some stakes, and then Egon shows up as a ghost at the end as kind of a thanks, guys, you know, you did right by me type yes, thing, maybe that's you're okay. right. The ghost thing makes me a little uncomfortable. But but what if, like, tying into what Jeremy's saying, like, well, I think that is what you're saying, is that so that the big bad is the one that killed Egon. And yeah. then, like, we don't need the ghost part, because, again, making a, yeah. like, because then even thinking about it, so you'd have to draw Harold Ramis and... Yeah, well, it, it, it could be just that, that there's, like, a subtype of artifact of Egon's that, like, shows up at a certain place, and they know, okay, Egon was here, and he gave us the nods, rather than recreating the look, you know, the visage yeah. of, of Harold Ramis. So I think that's good with, with what we do with Egon. Okay. Okay, uh, but, we can do that. But yeah. like Egon's big thing was he was able to identify the individual and different paranormal situations and come up with a way to dispatch them. So mm-hmm. who on our crew now would be kind of filling that role? Is that well, something I, we grab one of the newer yeah. Ghostbusters? Well, I think that could even be the like, well, again, it's been... 30 years or whatever, 27 mm-hmm. years. So it's like, yeah, the, the whole new generation would make a lot of sense. So it would be kind of that idea of why the old generation would need the new generation. So it would be to have, yeah, that transcendent. I mean, I guess the new one would already be a, a guy down because Ernie's with them, or Winston, I should say. Yeah, well, and I think, I, yeah, because the initial idea is kind of saying, like, well, doesn't Ray really fit that role? Weren't Ray and Egon really partners in the whole thing they kind of filled the same function but personality wise they provided something different to the dynamic so I feel like Ray just kind of continues that idea but I I mean I like the idea of someone coming in that maybe is the technical wizard yeah. okay that so is the new generation that they need well, All the right. thing is, too, is that you've already... Because then the Egon, yeah, Egon was definitely that bookworm, had the glasses and that sort of a caricature. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, with that space vacated, we can now, one of the new ones, we can have more of like a bookwormy to- type of person because we don't want to have like a second Ray or a second Venkman or a whatever, but we yeah. can have a new right, Egon, right. kind of. But we wouldn't call him the new Egon because, again, that would be better. Well, okay, yeah, so in the, in the cartoon, they had one of the girls was... Uh, enrolled in Professor Spangler's class and she'd read all of his books, all of his research like dozens of times. She knew it almost better than he did. So maybe that's, we could pull her in and she's the tie between the old team and the new team because she she hits it off well with Ray based off of the knowledge aspect and helps them work together, I guess? Something like yeah. that? Well, I can see that. So that that's my other question here, then. So we talked about Winston's still a Ghostbuster. He's still... There's still work to be done, apparently. Um, so where is Ray at this point, then? What is yeah. Ray up to? Because in Ghostbusters 2, they basically... They saved the day, but there was no guarantee, maybe that they were going to continue necessarily. Like, it seemed like they were back. Everybody was happy with them. But Ray still had Ray's occult books, you know? Like, was he still running that business and ghostbusting on the side? Does he retire after 27 years, you know? Maybe maybe we do have Ray at the college teaching, and he's picking out the new recruits for Winston. 
So, so in this in this scenario, do you guys want it to be then that there is like a ghost academy, like Ghostbusting is official, kind of like in my pitch where it's government funded and they just have you know basically the training ground where they they bring in people that apply, just like if you want to be a police officer or anything. Or, you know, I don't fireman. know. For me, like that kind of seemed like that was one of the things, and I mean I, I'm open to it, but that seemed like that was one of the things about Ghostbusters is that they were the they were the outsiders, they were the not losers, but they were the ones nobody else listen to so it's like now all of a sudden if they're a government agency i mean i guess that does change things and then like yeah you well said, see that that's that's the new dynamic out and out, yeah because to me like they were always kind of had the battle with the government right and then the government would eventually give in and realize we need you and so to me i feel like you you get into the mundane ideas of like politics and and all that kind of stuff that I think they would really respond to that would fit well with kind of their humor and their commentary on society that exists in the Ghostbusters movies. That's why I kind of threw that in there because it seemed like it's an extra element that they would enjoy playing with. Well, what about Uh, this? What if we, instead of like... And it's it's also the thing too that for for Ray like it's always the funny thing that Dan Aykroyd in his later career doesn't play anything like those characters anymore. Like he was kind of I mean Ray is so hapless and he's always the Ray. What did you do? Like that's just who his character is. These yeah. days he's always the like gruff, like sarcastic, whatever he is. Like what if he does a an about face and he like like you're saying where it's it's now it's a political organization. Like maybe it's like sort of like a black ops part of the FBI where it's the par- it's like they're the X-Files they're the, the whatever and so Ray has almost become a politician so in a certain way what if Ray is like the bad guy not the bad guy but he's that government one that's like you yeah. know whatever he he's lost the man that now. free spirit aspect yeah. and now he's kind of got to regain it through yeah. the process that's not bad I like that because he was the heart of the Ghostbusters and now that heart has kind of grown cold and you know more calculating and more focused on keeping the, the you know the the business of Ghostbusting alive and stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah that's that's good now Vankman let's but at, okay just, oh, so ahead. at the at the same time with with Ghostbusters it's always been their they're the outsiders, the outliers. Nobody wants to believe them. They're spooks. And it's, uh, it, I would say, like, Winston could be, like, picking and training new people to kind of fill the spot. But it, it always felt like they would stay small time. Well, that's, that's kind of what I, I was thinking. Like, like, if they were going to be threatened, that they would be shut down or some law would be passed, maybe they would have joined up with the government, you know, just to keep... Right. You know, or even, like, and that's what I was thinking, like, even think about, like, the X-Files, where the X-Files, you know, the, the Mulder and Scully were part of the government, but they were part mm-hmm. of that government that they still nobody listened to, and they were still, even though they were government officials and they had to deal with their bosses and there was the conspiracies and blah, 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 um, but they were still, yeah, in that loop. So it mm-hmm. doesn't, they don't have to lose that outsider, nobody likes them sort of a thing. Yeah, just because they're government funded doesn't mean they're all all of a sudden everybody accepts them and likes them. It just it's just kind of a next evolution of where they were. So unless you feel like it totally deflates that the attitude of the film, like I said, I think it's just a new twist that it gives them to work with, um, and and mine humor from. Okay, so, so Ray Ray would be our political, I guess, insider yeah. kind of the face of the Ghostbusters franchise kind of thing. Yeah, he's the one who has to basically schmooze and keep everybody happy on every side. And at the same time, he has to be a little bit more, you know, kind of cutthroat here and there than he would 
we expect him to be, you know, or than we've seen him in the past. Okay. Now, do we want to get, because now as you're starting to talk about Venkman, because mm-hmm. Venkman is, and that's one of the things I think they loved about, like we loved about Bill Murray's character, is that he was like, kind of like the leader of the anti-authority person, mm-hmm. where he was he was the one that was always picking the fights with, you know, making fun of the, the politicians and then schmoozing, but at the same time making fun of the mayor and everything like that. Could, what if, what if we create a conflict because now Ray is with the government? Maybe he and Venkman have a falling out, and that's where Venkman is I, gone. Is I I would agree with that. I definitely see that as probably the the reason for uh, Ray or not Ray Peter walking away from them. Mm-hmm. Wait, and I so feel he's like, kind of like been Venkman distanced been for a few years. Anyway. Yeah, like I, I don't think Vancouver was never like a hundred percent behind it anyway. He was always just in it for Dana to save the day for for Dana. Yeah. So I feel like honestly, like at the end of Ghostbusters two, like I did my pitch, like and it was in you know Jeff's pitch, I believe as well. Like they totally just got married. They went off to raise Oscar. They wanted to get away from New York because Dana is obviously a magnet for supernatural forces that come in and try to disrupt their life. So I feel like it, plus the fact that Bill Murray does not want to be in a Ghostbusters 3, but I think if you give him a weird enough cameo, if he comes in and subverts the expectations of the audience, that's exactly what he wouldn't want to do. He would just want to mess with us and give us not the Venkman we want, and that would make him fulfilled artistically and so that's why i had him as like a wheat farmer he just comes in he's obsessed with wheat now and he just talks about that all the time and he would be in the movie literally for you know five ten minutes but we got our bill murray fix and he said look i did it for you i'm out like i know this is dream scenario but i just feel like realistically that's what would happen if you were going to get him in there you'd have to entice him that way yeah, I'd see him less as a wheat farmer and more of a weed <laughs> farmer. Yeah, or some sort of a hippie. I, I yeah. just appeared okay. and I was go. even That's thinking fine. like you could go full on uh, uh, Wes Anderson and have him as Steve Steve Zizu who lives out on his little boat and he's exploring the ocean. You yeah, know, whatever. Now, still a wacky dude. Yeah, but either way, like he just he kind of comes in. He's you know maybe they go out to him at some point just to reach out. And do you guys like the idea of Oscar being part of this like grown up baby Oscar? is now continuing kind of in the legacy, or what do you think? Do you like that, that Maybe, concept? I, it seems so strange to say that a baby really bugged me, but something about that baby Oscar, <laughs> just his eyes, and way too docile most of the time. I uh, don't know. You, you I like mean, your babies to have a little spirit? You like yeah, it's true. Give, I mean, yeah. come on, ghost nanny. Dude, give it a little attitude, man. You start <laughs> crying or something. I don't uh. know. Well, we wouldn't have to have the baby, so we could have anybody, really. Seriously, who names their baby Oscar? I mean, I apologize to all you Oscars out there, but, like... Named after a hot dog, you poor man. You poor, poor man. (laughs) Or the grouch. Yeah. But, but like, I I just think, like, that's, like, Bankman is there, and you see where he's at, but then what we take from that is, you know, Bankman and Dana, happy with life, but Oscar not content being a weed farmer, or disappointed (laughs) that that's what his parents chose to do with their lives, and maybe he's, like, a real, like, uptight kind of upstanding citizen and he just happens to be visiting when Ray or somebody comes to to approach Bankman and then from there we have the or maybe they I mean would you guys be up for the the Spengler wing of the Museum of Natural History like that's what brings everybody back for quick I like that except for the other way this is the Museum of Unnatural History why would it be natural history this is a supernatural museum or something (laughs) 
Because that's okay, the thing too. Works. In in the Ghostbusters world, like they can't really pretend anymore that there's no such thing as ghosts. I mean, there's still marshmallow everywhere across the city, <laughs> probably. Plus, like this know. entire museum got coated in pink slime. I mean, it could they could be a museum of all this stuff. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. That that's what it would be is all the artifacts. That's why I thought it'd be so fun to have Janos come back, and he is the curator, but he knows nothing about it. So he's got like a ghost trap on display. He's like, this this is for uh, you know the Ghostbusters get a hungry. They put the the food inside. Is it heated up? It's very good. The the salmon, the broth, and they eat it. It's very good for Ghostbuster. You know, like he's just less he's okay, like, less a curator and more of just a tour guide. A tour guide is what yeah, I would yeah. say. That's- yeah, yeah. I, and I'm, I know that's that's your guy. You wanted to get him in there. <laughs> Got to get in there. Come on, but that would be the one thing that it's like, and that was my 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 one my re- honest my real hesitation about Oscar is that there needs to be some sort of a separation because this is the new generation, and if the mm-hmm. new generation is literally just the kids of the last generation, it's kind of like. Wah, wah. Well, like that's we what I thought. We had like one, fresh. like one, one is fine. kid. But know, that's why I said if you yeah. did that plus the one Janine and whatever her his name was, kid. Yeah. For me, that's yeah, a little I, much. I stacked it in my pitch. I know. Cameo, <laughs> like let's not make him a major character. He's you know does a cameo. The Ghostbusters fans cheer, and then yeah. There we go. And then, so what about Rick Moranis, Lewis Tully, coming back into this? And well, Janine? I doubt we can get him back. That's true. He doesn't act anymore. That's um, true. Yeah, he's retired. But at least they make. So maybe in that case, maybe just like as a reference to, like. Now the the one thing I will say about that though is. At the time when it was like really close to happening, the the Ghostbusters three, like they said, they literally had everybody on board except for Bill except Murray. Murray, and even Rick Moranis said he would come back. So I feel like this is the probably the one property he would do that for. So well, he's know. kind of been on the fence about Spaceballs too. So <laughs> eh. I, I don't know how. Yeah, he's still kind of on the fence about that. Oh, so okay, I thought yeah, I thought he was just done, done. But either way, like I was even thinking what you could do, which would be kind of fun, like a fun little nod, is that in one of the scenes with Ray in his government job, is he could even have like a some sort of a chart of Ghostbusters or former Ghostbusters or whatever, and then you could have pictures of all of them, including all the ones from what was it called, the Amazing Ghostbusters, or whatever your other shows, Extreme, Extreme. with the ponytails <laughs> and the girl in the yeah. wheelchair. So there could be those Ex- photos of those people, and just to like, oh, these are all the people we've trained in the past. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's where we do our uh, Egon tribute. Is they've got the the wall of past Ghostbusters, and it's plaques of all the. All the originals and and then the listing of all the other Ghostbusters that have come since then up until that day. And that's kind of Winston shows the new recruits. These are the people that started the, the whole thing. And this is where we're at today. Yeah. So and then yeah, from there, like yeah. What, what are, so the conflict we're going with then. Well, even before what, that, oh, since we're kind of yeah. doing people right now, what about our what about our new Ghostbusters? So it sounds like we still have four. So we'd have Winston, Oscar, and then two more. And I okay, feel like- I I think with Winston, he he probably is transitioning to more of a uh, kind of like the Ministry. Batman Beyond system yeah, okay, situation where that. he's on the monitors over Bernie, the headsets, kind sure. of thing. Like seventy-five years old now, isn't he? Right, <laughs> right, something like that. So maybe like his first first few times he'll go out with four new ghostbusters so there's five Mm -hmm. on the training missions 
to start him off, and then it would be just the four of them with him in their ear kind of thing. Okay. And so, so no. when we look at Oscar, like the role he fills, I think he's kind of like the aw shucks, maybe like kind of like I would say he might be stuck up, but maybe he's more just like kind of the Ray that Ray, you know, isn't anymore. See, and maybe I was seeing kind of him see himself, more as no? like a, like the punk, because it, I would see okay. as like because it's reactionary against Venkman. Okay. So like because Ray and Venkman, even though Venkman is the rebel and stuff like that, but he's not that kind of a rebel. So for him mm-hmm. to be real laid back, it doesn't feel like that's a complete split from his dad. Where I think if he's the like rebellious punk, yeah, you have the rebel part still, but it feels like that's a little bit more opposite. Like he's rebelling against his dad. And he mellows throughout the course of the film. Like he kind of gets more respect for for something, you know, like so where he kind of starts off a little brash, yeah. but maybe, you know, becomes more heroic and more even keeled as the film goes on, something right. like that. Right. Okay. And then we talked about having a bookworm character, right? So, yeah. Jeremy, you were saying um, like a female character that. Yeah, in the cartoon, she was she was kind of Asian American, I guess would be the way to put it. And. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so we we put we have, we have kind of that that look. Now the question that I had was this: like, uh, like I I would want to see somebody like her, like definitely is an innovator and providing new gadgets and sure. new ideas. And I, I'll just Possibly. say what I. What one that I had in my pitch with Layla, you know, Spangler in my pitch originally was going to be not very good at like the basics of ghostbusting, but she was really good at improvising. And in one scene, what she was going to do, like they were having a hard time trapping a ghost, you know, with the, the you know, getting him in the stream, and she would just open up a trap and just swing it and chuck it, and then just have the ghost get sucked in and then shut it. And they're like, why did we never think of that? So they created like the the trap launcher was like going to be like a new type of technology they would use based on her innovation. So I would see something like that coming up, you know, yeah. in field training scenarios or well, just she comes in with all these specs and says, hey, I've been thinking about this for a long yeah. time. What okay, so the other way, though, because I was thinking, because, again, this is a comedy. What if it mm-hmm. what if she's an innovator, but she's really bad at it? And none okay. of her things work, and so that's where the comedy is. But then at the end, it's like, yeah, she has something really awesome, and it finally, or maybe they all finally click at the end. So then it's comedy up until the end when it's just awesomeness. Then it gets if cool. If the whole show is yeah. awesomeness, then yeah, I mean that's again, it was more of a comedy. So yeah, right. I I would suggest with our our four new Ghostbusters, we have one the bookworm, and she comes up with the ideas for the new tools. You have one that's more of the actual builder of the tools and he's he can create anything and then you have one that's probably your uh, field commander i guess like he would he would call the shots Mm -hmm. and also be your improviser and then your fourth would kind of uh, not be good at all of them but he's your comedy relief okay what if because i was more thinking about again if this is a ragtag bunch of misfits then like they wouldn't that would ultimately be where they would fit in because if you think about the original ghostbusters like they weren't good at anything i mean none of them were action heroes none of them i mean like egon would keep inventing things but like yeah it, you know they always kind of ended up finding themselves not really in the right place at the right time or something like that so that was kind of my thought is that yeah is that if you i don't know as opposed to having like a you know a crack team of like strike force people instead you have people that 
don't do it very well. Yeah, well, I think it should be they all have the potential. Yeah, and then, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. say, like they don't, they 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 all have kind of their character flaw that keeps them from being great. So like Oscar okay. probably is like the sarcastic comic relief guy, and he has the potential to be a leader, but he always kind of lets his temper or whatever get the best of him, and it messes up all these situations. And then you have you know the bookworm girl who kind of you know is a, is kind of timid maybe she like she loves it or no maybe she just what you're saying jeff she's enthusiastic but not very good at what she's trying to do and then you have somebody else who's maybe a little bit more uh timid but like has a natural talent for catching ghosts or something you know like who's like the builder guy like what if we have well because now my other two thoughts were that again thinking more about those character flaws as opposed to what they would actually do well Mm-hmm. Is that of having? Because I agree with you, Jeremy. Like that should be the dynamic that we land on when they all click. But leading up to that, I was thinking about having one. Like, I mean, I guess it's kind of the old cliche where you have one from the streets who is just like, yeah, the rough growing up and blah blah blah, <laughs> and then so he would have the conflict, or she. I guess it could be a girl from the streets, um, and then you would have one like the opposite, where it'd be the pretty boy from the rich neighborhood or something like that. You could do that. Those sort of an elements. The other one, because I guess they already did the working man with Eddie, with Ernie, which I loved, but mm-hmm. to do the working man again, where he's like, I found another. Actually, well, see, again, you, you don't want to just repeat Ernie, because it would be funny if you get a bunch of 20-year-old kids, and then they recruit this, like, 45-year-old man, who's just like, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> but again, that's what Ernie Hudson was, so yeah, I love it. Yeah, that could be funny, actually. You, ha- yeah. you have an older, a middle-aged Ghostbuster <laughs> mixed with these younger kids, but they could learn from his wisdom type yeah. thing. Like just, just again, not not wisdom as a Ghostbuster, but just in life, he maybe helps them kind of, kind of, or one of them, kind of, you know, maybe he's the one who helps tame Oscar and just be like, look, kid, I've been through a lot, and what you know, like kind of the attitude that you're spewing out here isn't going to lead to good things, type thing. I don't know, that could be fun. So, all right, so I, I think we'll develop this as we get towards like the the ultimate bad the big bad so are we sticking with this idea that egon died again on a mission Mm -hmm. and it was the boogeyman and now the boogeyman is kind of amassing forces or something to do some big deal like i I was wondering if it should with the y2k thing jeff the direction i was thinking of taking it for the threat is y2k but not setting it in 2000 necessarily but saying that the ghosts, like the whole concept of a ghost in the machine, like yeah. actually doing that, like ghosts are invading our technology and they're, they're taking our technology hostage because we, we live and die through social media and everything else now, right? So if, if yeah. ghosts were able to be in control of our electronics, what would we do? That would be a real threat, seemingly, to all That's of us. That's kind of where uh, the killer Watt played in in the cartoon like he could he inhabited like uh, vacuums and toasters and was tying up the ghostbusters at uh, certain things and well it was the same thing it makes me think about like well one like ultron that's what they tried to do with ultron but they kind of downplayed it Mm -hmm. um but then which even they said joss whedon got that there was an episode of buffy the vampire slayer where they bring i don't even remember what the thing was called but this ghost comes in and starts seducing what was her name? The sidekick, whatever her Hello? name was. Yeah, they start. He uh, starts seducing her through the internet, which back in you know '96 or whatever. Oh. I was like, Ooh, look at she's on AOL. Uh, but yeah, to use something like that where he, you know, and that because again, it's it's it always was funny that in in the 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 first two movies, the ghosts were never like malicious. 
I mean, I guess you figure they would be eventually, but for the most part, when you looked at what the ghosts were doing, they were just causing trouble. Like, the one ghost that was just running through the park. Like, that's all <laughs> it was doing. Or, like, even Slimer. What was Slimer doing? Slimer was just, like, eating food. Like, he wasn't, like, <laughs> hurting anybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the movies, he wasn't a pet. Like he is in all the cartoons. Yeah, it's true. But either way, I mean, they didn't have ghosts that were like, you know, ripping people's spines out of their backs or something like that. That wasn't the kind of ghost that they were. They were just like throwing books in the air or something. So to have a ghost that's like going on Amazon and shipping everything by drone or you know, like doing whatever, <laughs> like that would be very in line, uh, I think, with Ghostbusters. Absolutely, and I think I think that's what it should be for the most part. But then you learn that whether it's Killer Watt or if it's the Boogeyman or whatever, like ultimately so, there is something. So maybe, more uh, yeah, maybe it's Killer Watt is recruited by the Boogeyman in mm-hmm. order to break out these other ghosts to distract them, so that he can get out of wherever Egon trapped him in, to break him out of his own dimension, so that Ooh, he could become. Uh, back to this dimension and begin tormenting children again. What about what about like a step or, or or a step beside that or whatever? What if like yeah he's trapped into this dimension or something like that, and the way that he can get out is through the internet. So like the internet is his his portal, oh, yeah. and so it's yeah. like he has to be released through the internet or whatever. I can see that, that. yeah. That is the so one thing that like, I would say, yeah. like, and I don't know, I know in the cartoon they changed it, but in the movies, you know, they had these huge, big, I mean, like, Gozer the Gozerian, and Vigo the whatever, and so the Carpathian, so it's these big names, and then Killer Watt, it just, <laughs> it doesn't quite yeah. come up with something yeah. more spooky sounding, or even the Boogeyman, like, everyone knows about that, but should we use, like, a real, like, I don't know, I was looking into, like, famous American ghosts, and it was like, and most of them are a little too creepy for... Yeah, well, that's (laughs) what I'm saying, like, well, what if it was just, what if it was just... (laughs) Lizzie Borden. In in mine, I have the the big bad ghost called Ebenezer, but he's like the Nez or something, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like this kind of old-timey, creepy name that you could play with. My only hesitation with Ebenezer is that everyone's thinking of Scrooge, and there's ghosts already in that story, so... (laughs) Yeah, but but I like I mean like or or yeah, but like a big I mean again they always used you know Gozer the Gozerian and Vigo Mm -hmm. to use something like I was even thinking like Vlad the Impaler except for (laughs) well but we had Vigo we already had Vigo Vigo the Carpathian too many V words yeah too close too close (laughs) Vlad the Corinthian no too too (laughs) too close. But like, but maybe, but yeah, but, so, but I like the concept of, okay, so Boogeyman's trapped, Egon trapped him but lost his life in the process. Now he's been trying to get out, you know, so he's, he's trying, so he's using his minions. Now the last thing I'll say that in my pitch, I had a, a thread where somebody was letting ghosts out of the containment unit, like had like a deal with them. And I'm wondering if it could be something where like that, there was kind of a deal struck with a human not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a ghost who's on the outside, but a human that's able to sneak in there and, or you know, like gets some type of communication, you know, and is trying to open the containment unit again to let, you know, the the big bad out, the boogeyman. Yeah. You know? What if we go and and this is, I mean, again, I'm I'm assuming most people have not seen that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so if we steal stuff from it, I, I feel okay. But like, what if we go along those lines where the boogeyman starts like 
or whoever it is, the bad, starts seducing or whatever the nerd girl, but does it under the guise of, like, that she thinks it's Egon's spirit speaking to her. And so then oh. he, like, starts saying, like, that's what how he convinces her to let ghosts out or, or whatever, and that... So we already have a good in as long as she's still alive with Janine, the receptionist Mm -hmm. who tried to spark something up with Egon. Yeah. Maybe she's just still hung up on him and this would tempt her into trying to let ghosts out of the containment unit. She'd already have access. That's true. And if she has kind of that limited, simple understanding, she would just go for it, right? She'd be like, oh, if Egon says this is the right thing, I'll just go do it. And I'm sure Andy Potts is up for it. So I think think that works well. And it would also be funny, because, again, Janine was another one of those characters where it was just like she was the receptionist at this, like, what the heck are you a receptionist at sort of a business? Because, like, that's who she was, and she was always there. So the fact that she would still be there 30 years later, it just, like, would be perfect, because now she's, like, in her 60s, and yeah. So this is, like, the ultimate thing is I think what it should be is, yeah, Janine opens it. It lets all the ghosts out again. Now, um, the concept is, okay, well, how do they resolve it? How do they get all the ghosts back in? Um I, again, I, I had kind of a concept initially that there was this idea of, like, you could uh, you could create kind of a vacuum for spirits through the, through the containment unit, that there was a danger of ever having an open trap near the containment unit because it would open up that vacuum and it would not allow it to be sealed except from the other side. And so the, the idea was that one of the Ghostbusters would have to sacrifice themselves because it would suck the spirits out of the living as well and pull them through. And the idea was that one of them would have to sacrifice themselves, go on the other side and shut it after all the other ghosts were already sucked back in. I don't know what you think about that. And the idea was that the Ghostbuster was going to sacrifice themselves. In this case, it was, it was, it was uh, like... Lewis Tully's son, and then Layla takes over at the last minute saying, no, your family's here, mine's already on the other side. But then at the last minute, Egon, from the other side, closes the trap for her and saves the day. And I was thinking that could be like Egon's moment. You know, again, you just kind of see him faded in the background as kind of an illuminated being, but he kind of saves the day, and that's how we get all the ghosts back in to kind of get everything where it needs to be, including the boogeyman. But I don't kind know of silhouetted, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not bad. I do like that. And then, or not even that. I mean, it could just be an arm, and then they just know whose arm mm-hmm. that is. But as far as like the that moment of someone's going to have to sacrifice themselves, I feel like that's way too heavy for Ghostbusters. Like that level of could be. Yeah, like that. I mean, like I, I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big fan of self-sacrifice, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't seem to fit, again, with the style. If we're sticking with the style of the first two, of this kind of, like, you know, supernatural comedy, then... But if you think at the end of the first one, they do get kind of serious. Like, they were ready to sacrifice themselves, remember? Like, when they were going to cross the streams, there was the threat that they were going to die, and they all basically say their goodbyes to each other. So, I mean, that was a moment in the first film with a similar tone. Yes, it was jokey up to that point, but that last minute when they were like, pleasure working with you, Dr. Bakeman. You know, see you on the other side, right? Like, they basically... I thought they thought the entire world was going to be destroyed. 
No, it was it was supposed to be them. Like they were going to be just obliterated. You know, remember Egon explains ex- crossing the streams, and every particle in your body is going to explode simultaneously. Oh, I thought it was every particle everywhere. But, no, it was okay. just them. So that's what I'm saying. So I think it really does fit. You know, it's, it's not going to be super heavy-handed. It's just going to okay. be like well, that's okay. that heroic yeah. moment. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And then I well, because I would even do like I was even thinking because then you would need some moment where. So that yeah, so that that uh, the boogeyman or whoever is working through Janine to have her mm-hmm. release these ghosts, which is causing the you know the the upswell in ghost activity, and then something happens where it's like, yeah, he convinces her that like he Egon is waiting, like she just needs to open it all the way, and that's mm-hmm. what lets him finally come out, and then yeah, to shut it shut it again would be the the, the resolution. Yeah. Jeremy, you good with that? Does that sound like a good comment? Uh, it is sounding pretty good right there. We're getting close. Okay. Well, let's, let's get into casting then. I think we're at that point. I'm very uh, interested to see what we go with here with the new breed. Um, okay, Oscar. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so it will play I Oscar. I have to admit, it's, well, now the tough thing is, is because it should be someone that looks like an offshoot of Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray. Um, well, but, but remember, he's not, he's, Bill Murray's not his actual Yeah, he's dad. not the father. Oh, Bill Murray's true. the stepdad, yeah. He had, a, he had a different dad, so. It still needs um, to look like an offshoot, at least, of Sigourney Weaver. So, yeah. because for me, when I think, and, and <laughs> it's because I've been watching Sons of Anarchy, so mm-hmm. when I think of the bad boy, I'm thinking of Charlie Hunman, who's the main character in Sons of Anarchy, who is mm-hmm. definitely the bad boy, but I don't know if he's too right. old at this point. Yeah, a little, little old. I mean, age range, we're probably looking 20 to 26. Right. Is the key demographic there for them? Yeah. I, I mean, I, my, my one thought I had was somebody like, oh, who's that guy that's on New Girl? He was in Jurassic World. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, do you know who I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, he plays Nick on New Girl. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like... Is? Is that he played like in everything I've seen him in? He plays uh-huh. that character from Jurassic World. So it's he's not the bad boy. He's the like I see the like I don't know charming doofus maybe. So we're trying to find somebody that has an edge, like a comedian with an edge. Then right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like can we can we? I mean, that's been the Ghostbusters thing. Can we continue to mine the um, uh, Saturday, Saturday Night Live, Live wells? I haven't watched that live in way too long, so... Well, that's where they got most of their Ghostbusters from for the 2016 version. Right, right. And, and they, they raided all the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, if you, if, you, if you think... I think there's a guy on there like Taron Killam, someone like that. Like, um, but I don't, I don't know if there's anybody there that's really a breakout, breakout star. Unless we were going to get, like, for one of the characters, maybe Bobby Moynihan, who's been on the show forever... And he's pretty yeah, hilarious, and he's the chubby But at the same guy. time, those guys yeah. are all probably uh, early something. to mid-30s. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is like, yeah, and I know what you're saying. We want a younger, kind of younger crew. Uh, but, like, Oscar's I mean, unless you at least 27. Unless you want to bring Goldberg in as our older Ghostbuster. Goldberg? Goldberg the wrestler? No. Oh. <laughs> Goldberg, I don't know why his name Bobby just Jack? left. <laughs> uh, yeah, from the Mighty Ducks. Uh, oh, really? Keenan. Keenan Thompson. Oh, Keenan Thompson. I mean, not for Oscar necessarily. No, not for Oscar. He would be a great. 
Yeah, I mean, he's older too at this point, but I think he would be a great fit. Right, because you were talking about having an older guy kind of join their younger crew. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and now the other person that came to mind, because I think he was actually discussed at one point as being when they were talking about rebooting or not rebooting, but kind of passing the torch. And I, I feel like Jonah Hill could have a real good because like he's slimmed down, but he, he also definitely brings that attitude with him. He's not always like, you know, lovable every time, you know, he kind of could have an edge. So I was wondering if he might be a good thought because, you know, that movie, um, you know, with Ben Stiller. And, uh, and Jonah Hill was in it, and then you had um, uh, our uh, buddy from Swingers. Who am I, who am I blanking on? Oh, right wait, now? Jonah Hill. No, come on. Let's let's. Jonah, no, Jonah Hill, Hill. Bad boy. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's never the bad boy. I mean, let's let's like again, again thinking about like you know, the guys from Sons of Anarchy is who I'm picturing. So, and that's not Jonah Hill. Now, what about? Let's get crazy now. What about Shia LaBeouf? I actually, he actually ran through my head first. I thought you guys would yeah. poo-poo that, but I thought he would actually be good at this point because he's. Cause he could is, he be uh, Oscar? <laughs> yeah, sure. The wackadoo that Bill Murray raises. I oh mean, yeah, absolutely. yeah. All right, Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Shia, you're back. You're back in action. Nice. Congratulations. All right, do we need we need a pretty boy in this, don't we? Yeah. Are we doing the pretty boy and the bad boy, or how are we? Yeah. Well, I mean, I Shia would be your bad boy, and then. Yeah. Who's our pretty boy? I mean, are we giving this one to Channing Tatum, or is it too too no, small? No, he's too him? old. He's and too he's old. Not, and he's not. And he's not pretty boy. He's he no. would be too much bad. What? Boy. He's my wife thinks he is the hottest thing ever. Oh, yeah, no, no, but I'm he's not saying that. I'm saying. But he's, he's bad boy bad. hot, not exactly. good guy oh, hot. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right, should so. we go Zach Efron? Whoa, hey, that might not be bad actually, because I mean he's pretty. Like the neighbors, he's, right? He's he's using his yeah, comedy, right? But he's going work. for the bad boy thing himself too. If we're going like pretty boy, like rich well, kid, pretty boy. But that's what I'm saying. But he would fit that really well if he just grabbed that character. If they gave him that that attitude and said, "Look, this is what you're playing." I think just the, his look would inform that type of performance. Even like just we just assume he's that way anyway. Yeah, spoiled rich kid. Yeah, is that what sure. we're talking? Yeah. All right. I, mean, I know he's kind of like the nice guy. I mean, I in a lot of things, let me be but... honest. I haven't watched a lot of Zac Efron films, so you didn't see well, Seventeen he... again and all those other. Uh... Well, either him or Dave Franco. Yes, James's James's brother. What's what's his big thing right now? I hear the name a lot. Uh, now you from? see me too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know who that makes me really want then though, because I think he was in the first. Was it was it Dak Shepard in the first? Now you see me. No. He wasn't. No. Um, can we put him in this movie? Because he's great. Uh, <laughs> Shepard. Is it still? Yeah. It's been a while. Well, because I was thinking, even though I try not to cast him in anything, but Jesse Eisenberg is everywhere now. That's true. I mean. Yeah, well, but Michael let's Sarah. avoid him. Michael Sarah. Are we leaving him oh. off the table? Oh my goodness. As the spoiled rich kid? No, well, he's too awkward. He would be. We just want an awkward kid. Like that's. Well, but he he could be mind. the third guy of the group. Maybe he's like kind of the mechanical genius guy, but he's like the timid, weird one that has to kind of. Okay. Eventually, he steps up to the plate and it like has an awesome move where he busts a ghost. You know. But okay, but we're we're also treading dangerously I'm so, here. I'm so sorry. In in whitewashing the whole movie. Oh well, okay. I, I see what you're saying. But so we already... so we're forcing. Well, yeah. the girl we were talking possibly Asian American, mm-hmm. something right. like that. 
Right. Well, how old? Cousin already. So. How old is that Mindy? What, what's you know the Mindy Project no. girl? No, we don't like Mindy her. Mindy Kaling. No. No, I like already? her, but she's. Too no, old. I, 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 yeah, I like her. She's too old, and she's not. She's too. Um, I mean, like in the office, she's too like absent-minded. Is her character she usually plays? Hmm. So it wouldn't be like I'm picturing more like yeah, ridiculously but Steve, smart. See, we're we're casting we're we're typecasting people. We're saying they don't have the ability to play beyond what we've seen them in. That's why I feel like maybe she's got that in there to be kind of like the you know the nerdy, ambitious, but kind of like because that's kind of how we discuss that character. Is she's like ambitious but not that great? So she's kind of like ditzy in a way, even though she's obviously got book smarts, but maybe well, not a Well, she's book sense. smart, but not street smart. And she yeah, is, like, and she is older than the rest of these people, though. Yeah, I mean, but th- so, that's not a problem, necessarily. It's I mean, not? Just, okay. Unless we're saying the girl has to be young and hot, you know, like, and that's the point, but I don't think that's oh, no. the kind of character oh, no. casting. If we're not doing a Megan Fox here, you know, like, so I, I feel like you get a character that maybe has a little bit more depth or Something that is a little different. Hey, Nassim! Ah! Nassim Pedrad. If we're going for Saturday Night Live an alumni, and she's we great, are. and she's sure. got... We are! You know, she's, she's got a very... But I do feel you know, like... Right, I do feel like the comedian part... Well, I mean, I guess you assume if they're on Saturday Night Live, the comedian goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, it. But the comedian yeah. part is more important than the Saturday Night Live part. Yeah, sure. But that's to say, but Nassim obviously has the, the comic chops sure. to play oh, that yeah. kind of character. Well, so I'd say I'm fine with both of them, or either of them. Yeah. I think that'd be good, actually. I, I mean, you know, Mindy, Nassim, but, like, Nassim's a little bit younger, I think. Is she? I don't know. I don't know how old Mindy Kaling is, but, I mean, I know, I know, you know, Nassim is, what, 30, 35? I mean, everybody's going to play younger, maybe, you know, they're, either They're way. about the same age. Yeah, yeah probably. But I feel like, yeah, so. Nassim might play a little younger, but... Yeah. Um, um, well, are, yeah, are, are we... Are we too uh, handcuffed in saying we have to have four? Could we introduce a fifth uh, in the middle of the movie kind of thing? Well, what if there was what if there was a uh, somebody who's training to be the uh, like I, I I had a containment unit specialist in mind. So there's somebody who's almost like a, a security guard who just like watches the containment unit, makes sure nothing happens. What if there's somebody who like always wanted to be a Ghostbuster or doesn't get to be, they just have to be security and they're kind of schlubby or maybe that's the Keenan Thompson character. He's like, I've been wanting to be a Ghostbuster, you know, ever since they, I saw him on the news or whatever back then and then he finally gets his moment eventually. Well, and that could be because I know we had initially talked about like the middle-aged man that would be amongst all the kids. So instead mm-hmm. of the middle-aged man is just the guy that, yeah, doesn't quite fit in. Never gets his shot and then finally does, yeah. I think that'd be good. May- that'd be good for uh, Keenan. Maybe that might... Well, I don't know if we want to put Keenan in there, or maybe that's Mindy Kaling's um, role. She's kind of... Uh, she was part of an older crew. But she's not she that came old. In... That's what I'm saying. I, I, don't, I don't think she... Does she seem super well, old neither is, neither is he, though, right? Yeah, Keenan Thompson's not that old. I mean... Right. They're about the same as far as yeah. that's concerned. So it wouldn't, be, saying, it, it wouldn't yeah. be the age thing anymore. It would just be the because now that for me, like I would believe Mindy doing something like that, where she plays that like nobody's giving me a chance and they all think I'm a ditz or whatever. Okay. Like I could totally see that. So you have another female character in the mix, and that right, and the, right, and that's she's the like which and I mean we could even have I mean you don't want to make too many extra uh, extra characters because then the audience doesn't know what to do with itself. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, to have like her, where she's like a like a paranormal enthusiast, like maybe she she's she's on the outside. She doesn't even work for the Ghostbusters. She just keeps wanting to get in, and so she keeps bringing like, "Hey guys, I heard about this," and they're uh... <laughs> and they have to rescue her. Maybe she goes out and tries to catch a ghost herself at one point with homie. She goes equipment. vigilante. Yeah, they vigilante. have to save her. She like her yeah. own proton pack, but it's just like <laughs> lightsabers or, or lights or something. It's like a Hello Kitty backpack with some you know some cables. <laughs> like a super soaker. Yeah, That's exactly. Good. With like holy water in it instead. Yeah, something Perfect. like that. Okay. All right. So I think we got that. Now, who's going to be like the boogeyman? Or is that just more like a voice and a CGI character that we sort of see in the shadows? Like for our big bad and the, the killer Watt type. Oh, no, we're not doing that now because Janine is the one who's being seduced to, right. to take care of that. Um, so boogeyman, who, uh, who so voice-wise think, could we yeah, want? Yeah, I think it'd be cool to do a voice, but like... Yeah, I don't know if it's that vital. Because that's the thing, too, for me, like, that I'm not terribly excited about, about the new film, is the new film looks like it's just a CGI fest. Which, yeah. the old ones, like, had more of that look. Like, you could connect to Vigo, even though he wasn't my favorite villain. You could connect to him because, like, he was a, you know, person. You could see him. Like, as opposed to if he was a cartoon, like, eh. Um, In but, the castle of pain, I sat on a throne of blood. Uh, right, but, <laughs> the, um, but since a lot of the film, he'll probably be just yeah a voice or you know, you know an email message. Whatever, yeah. So what but about... I feel like he'd, he'd have to have a minion he talks to so we can understand what his ultimate plan is, so that we see it. Even though Janine doesn't see it, the audience needs to understand what's really at stake. So there's suspense yeah, uh... when she's doing those things. So maybe he's just like maybe he is somebody who's just again on the other side. That you know he has like his little like sidekick jerk you know that he that he messes with. But that's what I'm saying. Like, could it be somebody like? I feel like again, it has to be someone with a great voice, but that has comedy stylings behind them. You know, it isn't just like a Lawrence Fishburne. You know, who seems ooh, to do ooh, every ooh. deep dramatic voice. You know, that's true. No, I've got my two. My two. My first one would be. Oh, of course, and then it just leaves my brain. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown would be my first one. Because all he's been known for for the last, like, ten years is Spongebob. And come on, man, you've got to give him more than Spongebob. No, 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 he was Lex Luthor. Yeah, but they remember him for Spongebob. And he well, even says when he walks down the street, they're like, oh, my God, it's Mr. It's Mr. Uh, Squidward Patrick. or whatever it is. Yeah. He's, no, he's not Patrick. He's the oh, boss. he's not Patrick? Mr. Oh, Krabs. Mr. Krabs. Oh, yeah. I misunderstood Clancy um, Brown's contribution to Spongebob. Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> yeah. apologies. But my second one would be either Clancy Brown or Sean Bean. Those would be the two voices I could see. I'd say. I like the idea of him having an accent. I think that always adds to the evil. So you get a British guy doing it. I think you get a little something extra for your for your money. So I, I would vote Sean Bean for something like that. Would be Irish, I was, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I was thinking maybe like Tony Todd or... Um, oh, unless we could get Mark not. Hamill to do it because he does great, you know, his evil oh, Joker voice. Evil he Joker. He does voiceover work. But I think he could do a variation that could be something really yeah. sinister but really entertaining. You know, I think Mark Although Hamill, because he's back into acting on like a larger scale now, yeah. to put him in there would be kind of fun. Mark Hamill doesn't really do the big, like, deep voices. That's but does he have to be? Could, could the Boogeyman be more maniacal? Or more, you know, a little bit more twisted. Well, except than, for he's you know, more diabolical. seductive, though. Well, actually, you know what, though? That is the thing: is that he is pretending to be Egon. 
So for Mark Hamill to do like an Egon impression, oh. I could I could believe him over. Well, if we're gonna do that, then you just get you get Maurice LaMarche who did Egon on the real right. Ghostbusters, That's the voice what of I was Brain thinking. from Pinky and the Brain, and, and he already does like his Orson Welles kind of deep voice, but he could yeah. mix that with a little Egon when he needs to. I think that actually could be. It, okay. and, and of course, the fans that would be an Easter egg for the fans that we would really enjoy. You know, so Maurice LaMarche is the boogeyman. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Power to the voiceover workers. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So, director-wise, are we? Do we have a director in mind? Any music? Is Ivan still working? If Ivan's still working, I want Ivan Reitman. Or we could get his son, although his son doesn't no. necessarily follow in the footsteps of his same style of film. But because um, Jason Reitman in Ghostbusters too, he's the one who who told the Ghostbusters they were full of crap. And they say, well, some people have trouble believing in the paranormal. No, my dad just says you're full of crap, and that's why you quit. <laughs> Jason Reitman. Um, is, is this something where Dan Aykroyd would direct? Does he direct? I don't even know. Has he directed in the past? It seems like something he'd naturally do, but I don't recall ever hearing of a project that he was at the helm of other than writing. it. Yeah, so I know he's done some writing. Let me see. Yeah. But, I mean, do we want to keep it in the camp? Because, like, that's the thing is, are we trying to go for kind of like the classic connection old school feel or do we want like an innovative new director who kind of comes in like I mean not not like Judd Apatow who's you know like an established attitude already that I don't think fits this universe but like is there somebody who's like a more current comedy director or you know actor slash director who, who well, would work I mean for me which one by the way yeah Ivan Reitman is Still working. He actually is producing the current Ghostbusters movie, okay. um, and his last movie was My Super Ex Girlfriend. Uh, uh-huh. No, I think Draft Day. Oh, yeah, it was Draft Day. That wasn't that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was his last movie. All right, I love Ivan Reitman. I've loved Ivan Reitman's movies, and the thing that I like about him, he's not necessarily a comic director. Like, I mean, I guess he is. He did like Dave, mm-hmm. and he did, but his comedy has a little bit of like, you know, it always has heart. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like and there's so many comic moments. directors. Yeah. I don't know that they get that. So. Yeah, okay. Ivan's back. All right, anything specific with music? Do we want anything special? I like the idea, which one, and that's the thing too, I mean, we didn't really talk about it, is that the theme song from the original Ghostbusters was so, I mean, they played it on the radio all the time. It was, I think it was the number one hit, wasn't it? My, yeah, and my mom used to do aerobics to to that song. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, like it was that big a deal. And like, even it was even nominated for an Academy Award that year as for best song, you know, from a motion picture soundtrack. So, so I mean, I'd it was love, huge. Yeah, I'd love, and I mean, it's kind of like I've always appreciated the 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 um, uh, Mission Impossible movies for the fact that they've hired a different band to do a different take on the Mission Impossible theme for every movie. So I think that would be kind of neat to get somebody else to do a version of the Ghostbusters theme song. Hmm. Oh, so kind of like they did with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, they've yeah, done. They've, they've had a different, different take on it, a remix or something like that. Maybe just mix did it, they it together. The Vanilla Ice song. Go Ninja. Ninja go. <laughs> they worked it in. Yeah. Yeah, they worked it, it, it in in the end. Yeah, that's really crazy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like I guess I was saying, who's who's a modern artist? that we think could give it... I mean, Kanye? No. No, avoid him. I avoid yeah, Kanye at all costs. I know, I always throw him out there. But he's he's talented, even if he's a jerk. Come on. Is he? Is he? (laughs) On a side note, have you seen his his rant on Ellen about all of his brilliant ideas? 
No. Oh, see it on no. YouTube. It's brilliant. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Walt Disney is dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, but so okay. Kanye, not no, no, but but like Bruno. Well, Bruno Mars would be an interesting take. Um, Bruno, um, maybe maybe even like Calvin Harris. He's more of a DJ that would kind of remix it. Somebody okay, modern. I was full on re-recording, but I mean like. Uh, yeah, or maybe maybe a collaboration between the two of them. I don't know. Yeah. Or does it have to be uh, a, a male um, vocalist? Could it be a, could it be a female singer? Could you get you know someone in there like you know a Katy Perry or something to give it kind of a pop know, edge? Because I mean, it was a would, pop song when it came out. You it know? was, but it's too dancey. I mean, I guess Katy Perry is dancey. Yeah, that's what I'm fun. saying. Like right. you get somebody who and she could she could have some fun with it. You could imagine the music video for it. You know, with her, she would like dancey go full on. So, <laughs> so let's do um, Bruno and Katy Perry each Katie do their Perry. own version. Okay. That we play, cool we'd out. mix in during the rest of the movie, and then during the big climax would be, you'd have the duet. It crosses like a over. Third yeah. remix, like crossing the streams. You'd have the <laughs> remix cross. <laughs> nice, sure. very good marketing okay. there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay. Well, Jump to I, the top of the charts. Yeah. Well, so we'll just get throw out a shout that so last time we combined. Let's see, we combined. Lady Gaga and um, uh, Miley Cyrus. This time we're committing Katy Perry and Bruno Mars. There you go. Hey, it's what we do. We, we like to bring people together. Collaboration is the name of the game. That's what we're all about. That like it is. Queen and David Bowie, uh, and Rihanna, and some other people, I'm sure. <laughs> all right. Anything okay, any... F- That's what I was going to say. Any final right. words? <laughs> I do want to say, although I can't say them or I will not say them on the air, but my two favorite lines, which one, Ernie Hudson, maybe the best line he's ever said in his career. (laughs) So when he looks at the bear, he says, man, I've seen that would turn you white. Oh, I just just giggle every time I hear that. And of course, cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. (laughs) Yes. One of the great lines. And I'll, I'll just end on this. Look, Jeff, Jeremy. If someone asks you if you're a podcaster, you say yes. All right. All right. On that note, it is time to go. Find us on Twitter at SQPod. On Facebook, search Sequel Quest. Instagram, we're at Sequel Quest. Or just search Sequel Quest, one word, on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Overcast, or most of your podcast listening apps. Email us your requests and suggestions to sequelquestpod at gmail.com. And until next episode, keep your eye on all the sequels, and we'll be back soon. Hold on, the music is not playing. Hey, when you're walking down the street and you see a little ghost, what you gotta do about the Oh, you're on There you well, I guess we're gonna have to take control. We thank you for listening to this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to continue the fake movie fun on social media. Submit your ideas for future episodes to sequelquestpod at gmail.com or sqpod on Twitter. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.